0: G'day and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 840 and this is my interview with Liz Falken-Bohannon and we're talking about beginner's cluck. I hope you enjoy it. Cheers, guys. Hello and welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Lee Manutzi here with you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are. It's It's coming into summer here in Australia on the sunny coast and uh, the weather's a little bit warming up, but it's still a beautiful day nonetheless. Guys, I hope you enjoy our interview today. It's a great conversation. I actually found Liz online. It's Liz Falken-Bohannon, and I found her doing some Google searching and a book that um, struck my curiosity, and the book is Beginner's Pluck, Build Your Life of Purpose, Passion, and Impact Now. So how could I not reach out? It's very much aligned with I guess the theme of the show here, living your life with passion and purpose. We really didn't touch on too much of purpose, but we went straight into aligning our lives with our values, and I think that was really the fundamental foundation throughout our conversation. So Liz herself, um, she started the company about 10 years ago, which is called Seco Designs, and they do a lot of... um, apparel and and accessories for women's fashion, I believe it's fashion, ethical fashion brand she calls it. And what she really wants to do is enable women to continue their education and become leaders in their country. So she really wants to try and create equal opportunities for the women out there. Uh, and that's what her values are. And she's aligned this passion with that as well. So that's what really what we talk about in this episode is values, passions. Um, and we even finish off with conscious consumerism, which I think is an important topic as well. Guys, I hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. Jump on to the Hidden White and leave your reviews there. Thank you. G'day Liz and welcome to the Hidden White podcast. How are you today?
1: Great. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: That's good to have you and um, looking forward to our conversation today. Your book um, struck me. I think I found it on Amazon when I was doing a bit of um, searching there and um, certainly the, the title got me curious <laughs> um, and the title is Beginner's Pluck, Build Your Life of Purpose, Passion and Impact Now. What is the idea behind Beginner's Pluck?
1: Yeah, well, there's there's quite a bit that goes into it. First yeah. off, I just think pluck is a fantastic word that we need to bring back into popularity. So pluck the noun, of course, which means spirited and determined courage. Um, and the concept of beginner's pluck really started to emerge probably a few years ago where I was about six, seven years into my entrepreneurial journey. And I had some big transitions on the horizon, some opportunities to really take some interesting leaps and pivot our business model. And I found in myself this growing and mounting insecurity that if I took this leap and I failed, that everybody around me would kind of look at everything I had built up until this point and say, see, it was just beginner's luck. Um, and it, it put me in this place where I it was, was like less- imposter-,
0: imposter syndrome.
1: Very much so. Absolutely. Mm. It was my manifestation of imposter syndrome. And so I really started diving in and thinking about um, why am I having this fear? Why is it emerging now at this point in my career? And really started trying to go back in time and think about a time before that specific kind of insecurity emerged and really had to go back to the very beginning of starting and launching my socially conscious fashion brand called Seiko Designs. and um, So when did you launch Seiko Designs?
0: Was that how long ago?
1: Back in 2019.
0: Or sorry, 2009. So 10 years Um, ago, right.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been 10 years. And so what emerged from that was really kind of a bit of a manifesto of how to go about building a life of purpose, passion, and impact through being really intentional about getting back to or cultivating your beginner's mind, the things that might actually come easier for beginners. Um, and what is really awesome about this message is that Hmm. for actual beginners, my encouragement is, Hey, I know it doesn't feel like this. I know that you feel like you need more connections. You mean you need more experience. You need more knowledge. You need more resources, But the reality is, in this season of truly being a beginner, there are things that will come more naturally to you than they will 10 years down the road, and those things are actually incredibly helpful in building a life of purpose and impact. Hmm. And for those who are 5, 10, 15, 20 years into their careers, their vocations, um, who may be well out of the beginner stage, learning how to kind of intentionally get back to and channel your inner beginner can be equally as effective in um, helping us become leaders, entrepreneurs, impact makers um, that are creating meaningful and relevant and robust Solutions and solving some of the world's most interesting challenges, and so I wrote a book called Beginner's Pluck, and it is all about just that. It's my story of launching and growing my company, and a lot of the kind of missteps and failures and behind the scenes along the way. But more importantly, it my story is really just the narrative framework to yeah. explore these fourteen principles.
0: You know, I think it's important to have that that storyline behind any message that you sort of want to communicate. It helps. You know, really create a great or deeper understanding of, of what your your message is. So the book is really it sounds like a guide for people starting the people at the the beginning line um, with the tools and guidance and inspiration, perhaps to to get moving. But also those people down the track that perhaps need that beginner's mindset to um, c- continue that flare and 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 stop themselves from from becoming stagnant. Does that sound about exactly. right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really really good synopsis.
0: What's the definition of pluck again? It's a word that I'm not really familiar with, I'll be honest.
1: Yeah. So it means spirited and determined courage,
0: spirited and determined
1: courage. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's a kind of an old school word. Uh, it was really popular in America, at least in, in like England in the 1900s. I actually, um, stumbled across it a few years ago. I was mm. reading Winnie the Pooh to my little <laughs> one. Yeah. Um, and it was like the old school one, like, you know, a couple hundred pages, like novel of Winnie the Pooh. And there's this moment where I think it's Pooh Bear says to, it says to a little piglet, like piglet, you've got to gather up your pluck. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's such a good word. We've got to bring it back.
0: Begin pluck. There you go. Pluck. I like it. So tell us a little bit of your backstory. So you've started this company, a design company, shoes, yeah? Or fashion in general?
1: Yeah, fashion in general. So we do apparel and accessories, leather handbags, um, jewelry, kind of all across the board. We're a full lifestyle fashion brand.
0: Lifestyle fashion brand. You started that ten years ago. What were you doing before that?
1: I, I mean, I had really just graduated from university. Um, I was working at a corporate communications firm, but I was only about three months in when I quit that to start <laughs> your to okay. East Africa. Yeah.
0: Oh right. Okay. Um, and what did you study at university?
1: I studied journalism and was really interested in issues that were facing women and girls that were living in extreme poverty and in conflict and post-conflict zones. And so my goal was to, you know, get this journalism degree and then move and travel all across the globe and write and report on issues that were facing women and girls all across the world.
0: Okay. And that goal then shifted?
1: Uh, Yes, I would say it shifted because I couldn't get anybody to hire me to do that. Um, Turns out, like, established news organizations that actually have a budget for international reporters are not interested in hiring a 22-year-old that doesn't really have any journalism experience and that hasn't really traveled extensively. Um, So, hence why I took the best job that I could get and joined this corporate communications firm um, and was working... There, when I just kind of had this moment where I realized that I said I really cared about issues that were facing women and girls living in extreme poverty, but the reality is my actual life, my community, uh, the relationships that I was pursuing, um, none of them were reflective of that, and that I didn't have a single friend who was a woman um, who had grown up in extreme poverty. And so in that moment, kind of my, uh, my goals shifted pretty dramatically. And my new goal in life became like meet one girl and become friends and enter into relationship and kind of learn firsthand about the issues that are facing women and girls across the globe. And so that's mm. what I did.
0: That's some pretty profound wisdom uh, early on in life, I suppose. I think most people start to, to gather that wisdom as they grow or age, Mm. Um, whereby what their values are, i.e. looking after women in poverty and, and women in general, um, aligns with with how they're living their lives and the actions they're taking. I think that happens more later in life, so you've obviously struck gold there.
1: Well, I, it didn't necessarily feel like it at the time. It, most people, I think, kind of thought I was crazy. But, um, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful that from a very early point in my career a lot of things have changed and shifted and my role and my skill set and all of those things but my my values have been in pretty much complete alignment since day one
0: which is great yeah and what what sort of guidance do you give others that perhaps are going well how do I align myself with my values or what are my values first of all yeah
1: yeah I mean that's a that is a big reason why I wrote this book is because a lot of people out there don't know and they um feel really overwhelmed and they feel stuck and I actually think that there's a lot of shame that's associated for not knowing what your quote unquote passion is, but the research shows us that over 80% of people when asked, like, what is your passion? Have you found your passion would say no to that. Hmm. Uh, and what that leads me to believe is that there's something kind of wrong. Excuse me. <coughs> there's something wrong with the question or hmm. the framework and how we're talking about it. Um,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Could and agree one,
1: one of the really big shifts, um, that I talk about in this book is kind of the difference between this idea of finding your passion and then building it. Um, I find the idea that we can build our passion and our purpose to be so much more empowering and um, movement oriented. And it puts us kind of in the action seat and demands that we do the hard work in, in, in ourselves instead of this place where we are kind of waiting to get lucky. You know, when we get, we get struck with this idea or someone says to us, you know, something to us, the exact right thing at the right time, or, you know, this, this thing drops out of heaven and and lands right on our lap. Um, and instead say like, Nope, everybody was made on purpose and for a purpose. And here, here are some tools and mentalities and mindsets to help you not find that, but, but build it.
0: Okay. So going back to your beginning days, how do you feel your values were, were built up? Was that just uh, through your your upbringing that you, you held on to those values or is it something that came to you momentarily later in your, your university years? Or Yeah,
1: I think for me upbringing definitely had something to do with it. I was the daughter of a pediatric nurse who I would say from a really early age um, pretty intentionally exposed Me and my brother and sister, um, you know, we grew up in like the middle class suburbs of St. Louis in the middle of America. It would have been very easy for my mom to protect us from ever having to experience life outside of our little suburb. And she was really intentional about bringing us into her work, which often meant, you know, being a part of lives and families. Um, of folks that were in very different circumstances, lived Mm. in a different part of the city, had, didn't have access to resources. And so I think from a pretty early age, I was pretty aware of like, okay, things are not the same for everybody. (laughs) So that that Um,
0: definitely explains a lot then too.
1: Yeah. 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 And I think that that just like awareness Mm. of, um, a lack of equality across a bunch of different kind of spheres, um, became pretty apparent to me pretty early on. Um, and then, yeah, throughout high school and college, I think for me, it really started to hone in even more on how, how gender affects that and kind of can contribute to and exaggerate these existing disparities.
0: Yeah, for sure. And do you think that's something that most people could tap into like going back into their upbringing going, okay, well, what was, what were the values that were sort of incorporated in my life? Um, no,
1: no, I think some can and some can't. Yeah,
0: okay.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think it's helpful to look backwards. I do think that in the conversation specifically about quote unquote, finding your passion, we might talk about it a little bit too much. Um, and kind of like, we'll go back to and think about what you love to do when you were a kid. And, I think for some people that might be helpful for others it won't be um and I think that that leaves those people feeling like ah, I'm even more frustrated I'm even more demoralized like I didn't have my thing when I was a kid and I don't have it now um and actually I talk about that in the book how my values I think I can trace back for sure to early childhood my my quote unquote passion Using business to solve some of the world's most challenging problems and running a for-profit lifestyle fashion brand—none of that is is represented earlier in my life. And in fact, um, I would say it was all quite a surprise, (laughs) Um, and I didn't have any pre-existing interest in these things. Mm. Uh, So I think for some people, it depends on you know what home you grew up in and what your parents instilled in you. And I think. Um, I think doing the work to understand how do you know what you know is beneficial for everyone. I, I don't know for everyone that will lead them to going like, Oh, okay. I was taught that as a kid and this is a, a really true value. And in fact, I think for a lot of people, it might be the opposite. Like these were the value, you know, I think another quote unquote value that I learned growing up was the value of, um, probably like saving face and like not letting your weaknesses show, um, and not being honest in ways in which, uh, you don't have your stuff together. And that has been a value that I have kind of actively had to unwind throughout my adulthood, like recognizing, Oh, I was taught that you keep all of this in private and you hide this mm. and actually where real and true life and freedom and community exists is in the light and is bringing those things forward right. and hiding in those. And so, um, yeah, just to give kind of two different examples of a right. value. Yeah, that's that a good I point. Too.
0: And we don't really and, talk
1: about uh, it. Yeah. And, and that I really live true to and then other values that I have to do a lot of work and kind of unwinding in myself.
0: Yes. Yeah. That's something that is not talked about. It's normally about connecting with the values that you have rather than, looking at the values that you have that perhaps, you know, aren't doing you a great service. Yeah. What, um, I got a couple of questions there. The passion piece, what's the message that you see out there at the moment that people are are latching onto that perhaps isn't, isn't the, the right message about, you know, finding your passion.
1: Oh my gosh. I think there's so much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the fact that it has to do kind of with, um, luck and this idea that it's going to strike you at some point, you're going to find it in this way that makes you go, Oh, it was there all along. Um, I think that that's really unhelpful and that's not how most of us experience it. Um, I think that this current motivational notion that everybody is, really special (laughs) and that um, you're probably more above average than you think you are. And you just have to own that and you have to know that and you have to believe that in yourself. Um, I think that that is a message that is um, not working. I think this idea that people have to first believe that they're extraordinary before they can do extraordinary things actually keeps a lot of people from ever moving forward because they can't fully believe that about themselves or mm, yeah. they do believe that about themselves. And at the point that you believe you are extraordinary, you are above average in your intellect, talent, skill set, business acumen. I actually think you, um, become someone who is a lot less likely to take risks, to fail, to do something where they might embarrass themselves. Cause, cause now your identity has, has kind of gotten built up.
0: Well, that has something to do with like the growth and fixed mindset that Carol talked about. Yeah. Okay.
1: Totally. Yep. 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 And I write about that in the book and how that affects us even starting, you know, at a young, young, young age, we see that kids that are praised for being inherently special or inherently smart or talented, um, end up choosing less difficult assignments and they're more afraid of failure. And they actually end up performing worse over the long haul Mm. than kids who are praised for their work ethic and for their curiosity and for their persistence.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so with what, well, is there a difference between values and passions too? I'm guessing there is, but what's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I would say value is probably the underlying belief, the ideological belief. And then I I would say passion is probably the skin in the clothes that it wears, (laughs) you know, the like, well, how, do you enact that into the world? You know, you can have the belief like I do that every person was created in the image of the divine and deserves to be treated with respect and dignity. Well, there's a billion different passions that could sit on that value. Mine happens to be using marketplace solutions to create dignified community and opportunity and educational access to highly talented female scholars in developing economies. (laughs) Um, so I think the value is like, what is the underlying belief about yourself, about humanity, about the world? And then the passion comes in, I think a little bit more into the, like, how are you, how you live that or oh, how you out.
0: I, um, yeah, I wonder if the values inspire passions or passions can be totally, um, external to a value, but then just aligned.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that, I think that they can be, um, I think that they can just be aligned. Uh, I think if you're really lucky, maybe they're right on top of each other, but I think that we're starting to see more and more creativity with how people are using their gifts and their skill sets, um, to align with their values in ways that might be a little bit surprising.
0: Hmm. Can we not become passionate about things that perhaps most people wouldn't think of as, as, as a passion. Like I, I talked to a lot of people and you know, they might be a, a tiler or a carpenter or, you know, whatever. Um, and a lot of people go, well, how's that a passion? But if, if it's something that they're really good at, why can't that become their passion?
1: I don't necessarily think it can't be. Hmm. I think you, it probably is going to fall short if that passion isn't aligned with a value uh-huh. that you have. Um,
0: I guess like anything, I guess if you're yeah, if you yeah, your passions need to be aligned with the values to be sustainable.
1: Yeah, I mean I think plenty of people are not aligned and I think they they will continue being quote unquote passionate about their thing, their hobby. It might not hurt them, but I don't necessarily feel like that is what I would look at as like, Oh my gosh, yes, that person is living this life in alignment. They're making an impact on the world. Uh, they found and lived into their purpose. It's probably like, Oh, that guy realized that he really loves golf and he spends a ton of his time doing it. <laughs> yeah. That's a good passion, um,
0: but maybe that aligns with something that is, is a value to him.
1: It like absolutely might. Alone time but it, or whatever,
0: you but, know?
1: but it might not, you yeah, know, and might. a lot of people yeah. will never do the work. To figure out, like, do my hobbies, do my passions, do my skill sets, are they in alignment with the deepest beliefs that I have about mm. myself and the world?
0: Yeah, yeah, interesting. So, how do we, um, beginning, how do we start to figure out the the values and, and the passions and, and align ourselves in life? Like you said, do the work, you know, to investigate it. Is there some methodology there that you'd recommend, or is it just meditation, time and reflection?
1: Yeah. I think curiosity is a huge piece of it. Just, um, being really in tune with your self, what lights you on fire, what makes you angry, what makes you really sad, what breaks your heart, what keeps you up at night? Um, what gets you excited and really leaning and digging into the, the deeper, value that is beneath that. Like, why does it upset me so much when I hear about this thing happening? Is it the actual issue or is that that feels like it's in direct, um, competition or it's going directly against this really deeply held value that I have. And so I think, yeah, just like leaning in to your own sense of curiosity, following leads, probably surrounding yourself, uh, and creating relationships and community with people that are on that trajectory and that, um, really do understand what their values are, I think can be really helpful and enlightening and not just if they have the same values as you. I think actually surrounding yourself with people who have really different values can be super illuminating, um, as to why you don't, why, you know, why does that feel so off to me? Why can I not get behind that? Um, like, what is it about what they're saying? Well, what's the value underneath that, that I'm, that is not sitting well with me. Um, but I think all of that is really a result of curiosity Mm. and taking risks and putting yourself in positions with, um, people or taking on risks that you feel a little bit unequipped for, because I don't really think that any of this happens when you hang out with like the same two friends and mainly watch Netflix. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, For
0: sure. I mean, that point of, you know, your, your network as well, the people you surround yourselves by, if you're surrounding yourselves by people that Appear to be really connected with values; those people are probably pretty good at detecting um, the values in others and, and the alignment of that as well. Would you Would you agree?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: Like, have you found that when you've been connecting with people that people have sort of looked at you and gone, "Oh, actually, you know, you've you've really got something here that you're you're quite passionate about," and sort of drawing that out of you? Have did you find that in the past, or do you still find that?
1: Um, I would say my. <laughs> I think what I'm passionate about is pretty obvious at this point. Um, and I'm pretty opinionated. So I wouldn't necessarily say in the, in recent times I've had this experience of somebody necessarily calling that out in me, but I would say probably over, over the course of my life, there probably were moments and conversations. Honestly, in, in my life, it probably showed up the most with me, uh, maybe stepping out of bounds a little bit, <laughs> maybe yeah. getting a little bit intense and having someone say like, Whoa, you know, that was a bit much or like, why are you getting so intense about that thing? And it's really, really easy. Um, and that's, first of all, that's just like a rude thing to say to somebody. So I'm not excusing that behavior. Um, but I am saying like, well, in that moment you can choose to get really defensive and be like, well, that guy's a jerk. Or you could say, Oh, yeah, I, I did get really fired up about that. I do feel really defensive or there is a lot of, I think that's a fear response that I just had. What was that? Why did I react that way? What about that made me so mad and and kind of get curious?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's a really good thing, isn't it? How we react and how our emotions uh, are triggered um, can obviously be good signs to maybe passions, but maybe things too that we have to reflect deeper on and understand ourselves um, to avoid in the future as well. Yeah. Do you um do you help I mean do you detect it in others, like their passions and values? Like is that something that you can observe because you're so aligned that you can observe or do you feel you can observe easier?
1: Yeah, I think so. Hmm. Yeah. I think I think you can't get curious with yourself and have that not overflow into how you think about other people. Yeah, yeah. And and when you hear them talk or when you observe them. I think it's also just like a natural outpouring of yeah, just being curious and seeing what brings people to life, what, where they feel like they're really like in their sweet spot versus if they seem to be, uh, seem to be struggling. I think being someone who is really in tune with my values, it does make it a little bit easier to kind of help, um, see and navigate that with other people.
0: Okay. So your passion, I mean, design company, um backing off the value that you have how did the you know fashion why fashion
1: i had tried a couple different things i started like a nonprofit kind of charity and just realized that uh, for this particular problem we as i said before needed to use business i wanted to create jobs i wanted to do something that would contribute to the local economy and then I started a chicken farm, and that failed. And chicken
0: farm, cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Different, yep. different, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. And for me, fashion was totally just a means to an end. I wasn't actually even interested in fashion. Are but you I was passionate like, about okay, fashion now? Now, I, I would still you have say to be, actually, you? I'm not passionate about fashion. No? I'm pretty passionate about style and product. So you might see that as like semantics. I see I'm fashion. A guy, as,
0: you know, I just see it as the same thing. <laughs> so.
1: I would say they're different because fashion is very much so. I It feels like kind of top down, you know, like what are the trends? What are the big designers doing? How in the know are you or aren't you thinking about personal style? How do you create things that look great on people? A wardrobe that really works and is super versatile that looks that's, you know, uh, functional, that's comfortable but also looks really polished and in lines with your ethics and the process of imagining a product and then seeing it physically come to life is incredibly thrilling. Mm. I love it. Mm. I love getting to see things from the very, very, very inception of like, here's a wild idea all the way through. Okay, here's the first round samples of the prototype all the way through here's the end product that's, you know, going to make it out to market, um, is yeah, I would definitely say I'm passionate about that at this point, but I never in a million years, 10 years ago, just could absolutely not have believed you if you would have told me that I, that I would be passionate about that.
0: So that's really, I've got so many questions off that. Um, Mm -hmm. and I'll probably forget a few of them now, but, um, the first one with the style, um, not so much fashion, but aligning people. You know, with style that suits um, their personality, their character, how do you do that as a company that you know like you can't do it on an individual basis, obviously, how do you try and create style to fit so many different people?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is knowing i I won't make something that everybody likes, <laughs> yeah um and that that's okay, like yeah. that there will be people that resonate with our product, our brand, with our aesthetic. And my goal is to get as close to and hear from those people as much as possible. Um, and not worry about people that are sitting in a totally different camp. Um, and then we have a lot, you know, on our, in our company we have, it's actually called the, um, the design council and it is an invitation only kind of subgroup. So Seiko is a direct sales brand. So we have sellers all across the United States that carry the product and earn a commission off of those sales. And our top sellers and leaders get invited into an invitation only design council where they tell me what they want to see. And they tell me what they think about the current collection. And I'm anytime I'm designing a collection, I am constantly pinging them, putting up surveys, putting up polls, showing them prototypes, getting their feedback. We, we, then send out product like in in that first round of samples, we send that product out to our top sellers and have them, um, test it and wear it and give us their feedback. So it really is a combination of like, it's on us to really come up with the overall creative direction and vision, but then inviting the people that are most invested into the success of that product and that line into the conversation and, and really letting them be a part of it. And it's been one of the things that, um, that our sellers and fellows are most excited. I mean, it's thrilling for them to say, like, "Oh my gosh!" A year and a half ago, I made this suggestion, and now I get to sell that product in my community and know that I had, I had a hand in creating that um, is a pretty a pretty fun thing.
0: Mm, yeah. Nice. Um, what? And this is probably a little bit off topic, but with uh, fashion or you know the the things that we wear how important do you think that is for, um, our, the story that we tell ourselves and our personality and the image that we're giving?
1: I think it's incredibly important. Um, both with how you're being perceived, but then also the story that you're telling yourself about who you are and about who others are. And I will say like, Over the last 10 years, I've been in the process of just trying to be a more conscious consumer. And it it, honestly, it just comes down to values alignment that it's like, okay, you can talk about what you value. How consistent with that is how consistent uh, is that with how you're spending your time, how you're spending your resources? Like when you open up your closet in the morning, if no one knew you, and they walked into your closet, like what would what would that say about who you are and what you care about? And I'm talking really <laughs> specifically in from a values perspective of life. Well, do you, value, do you value a deal above all else? Like, do you value being able to buy three t-shirts for under $20? Is that your highest held, you know, most closely held value? Or do you believe that your clothes and that your wardrobe can be an extension of what you believe about the dignity and worth of others that like you want to go to a job where you're treated fairly and you're not abused and you're paid on time. Um, do you believe the same for the woman in Malaysia who's working in a factory, who's making your t-shirt? Um, and I think, yeah, I think our purchasing decisions say a lot about our values. Now I will say like,
0: or maybe perhaps they say nothing about our values too, because I feel that if you're not, you know, like we started the conversation off, if you don't really connect with your values, then potentially you're consuming not just fashion, but you're consuming everything based on these external expectations. And I think that can be quite misleading to a character in the story that we tell ourselves as well.
1: Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, maybe your value is I want people around me to, to know that I'm, I don't know, financially successful or that I in a certain like group. And that's, that is the value that's driving those purchasing decisions. So yeah, it might be values. It might be lack of values. It might be misaligned values, Mm. but I absolutely believe, um, that, that it says something about, about who we are, not just to those around us, but, but to ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, I I just look at the industry and, and I'm probably very ignorant, but, um, I think a lot of people go out there and consume for the sake of consuming. Um, yeah. not because it's aligning with them values and who they are. Like if you look at my wardrobe, you'd probably have a good laugh. Um, I'm not very fashionable and that's fine by me. I, I want to be sort of minimalist in, in what I consume and I don't have this great urge to go out there and consume, consume and spend and buy fashion. But I see there's a, obviously a big industry out there and I feel that perhaps it's, it's too much. It's not really what people uh, need to represent themselves and, and uphold you know, their character, but rather they're trying to blend in and fit in, um, which may be detrimental to to their their values.
1: Yeah, and just our expectations, you know, consumer the average consumer hmm. today, even just compared to like ten years ago, owns like two or three times the amount of article of clothing, yet we're spending a similar amount of our disposable income. So, just slowly with the rise of fast fashion, I am not against having nice things. Like, no. I am someone who loves product, For sure. who loves the intentionality, loves versatility, loves beautiful materials what's gone wrong is our expectation with how much we should be able to have and how much that should cost. So now, you know, when I'm selling a beautiful handmade, uh, you know, artisanally crafted leather bag out of some of the finest materials in the world and someone's like, yeah, but I could also get a bag at, you know, this mass producer that by the way is probably made out of, you know, Plastic leather and was made in a machine, you know, by a machine in a factory somewhere. Um, But they're they're going. But I'm used to getting three purses for the price that I would pay for that one. Um, That is kind of this like manipulated thinking that it's like, but why is three better? Like, what if you just had the one that you loved and that you took care of and that you carried for years and years and that when you know the something finally went wrong with it, you took it in and you got it fixed and you oiled it up and you kept it looking really nice. And I think the culture of fast fashion and disposable fashion, I don't believe it's possible for us to, to participate in that without it flowing over into what we believe about ourselves and other people that, that disposable mentality isn't just relegated to what we think about our closet. Like, I think it, it seeps into kind of how we treat the planet,
0: how we treat society in total, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. What's this
0: notion of conscious consumerism that you talk about? And I might sort of finish on this topic, but yeah, what are your, what are your thoughts on um, conscious consumerism?
1: Yeah, it's exactly what we're talking about. Mm. Just like, do, do your purchasing habits align with your values? That is conscious consumerism I don't think it's an all in one, all for one, like all in or all out. Like at the end of the day, everything is gray. Everything is nuanced. Like none of us are ever going to be perfect and supply chains can be incredibly, incredibly complex. Um, but it's really like, am I attempting to have value aligned purchasing habits for me? for the planet, for future generations, like, or are those totally siloed that it's like, nope, I want this and it's cheap. So I should be able to get it. And then over here, I'll like donate money to this nonprofit or this charity, or I'll talk about this thing on social media. But, but that those two things aren't connected at all. That that's what I would say would be unconscious consumerism. And so conscious consumerism is that values alignment.
0: So really values alignment again. Is there a point where you sort of in conscious consumerism, you know, question what you're consuming and why, is that something that, I mean, I would definitely encourage it. Is that something that you practice or encourage?
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, like, really honestly evaluating uh, what your needs are, how your purchase will impact people um, beyond just yourself. Like, I think that that's an incredibly valuable question to ask.
0: Mm, Yeah, very interesting stuff. I want to encourage everyone to go out there and pick up a copy of your book, Beginner's Pluck um i'll stick the link in the show notes as well guys so check it out and this is episode 840 um liz have we got uh, i know you've got to go but have we got sort of five ten minutes to go through a quick round questions
1: yeah yeah i've got i've got five
0: cool let's do it you have to have quick answers then okay do you have any routines or rituals that you believe contribute to your success
1: Fasting from technology once a week probably would be a big one. I'm taking a Sabbath and um, trying not to check social media and my email and giving my brain a space to actually truly like rest and be creative and consume information through different mechanisms um, Cool is something, yeah.
0: How long do you do that for? When do you do that?
1: I attempt to do it unless I'm traveling on Sundays.
0: Sundays for the whole day. Yeah. Nice one. What advice would you give your 20-year-old self?
1: Stay plucky. Keep getting after it. You're going to fail a lot and that is not a sign that you're doing something wrong. It's a sign that you are stretching beyond your current limitations and keep going.
0: Cool. How would you define success?
1: I would define success as living a life where I feel like I can wake up and say I am actively co-creating the world that I want to live
0: in. Okay. What is a tool, skill, or resource that has helped improve your effectiveness?
1: What is a tool, skill, or resource? Oh, sure. At our company. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello. No, you're right. So at our company, uh, we recently went through a leadership training process called Giant, which was really helpful in kind of helping us as a team understand what our natural inclinations are, where our strengths lie, how we communicate with one another. um, And that has been really beneficial to us.
0: Okay. That's cool. What is, if you are to have your last day here on earth, what would be the meal that you would request your last meal? Oh my gosh.
1: Probably pizza and salad.
0: (laughs) It's a pretty common choice. I like it. Really? (laughs) Yeah, it is actually. Um, um, Yes, definitely from the States. People love their pizza. Uh, and I do agree. Um, what is your, what activity gives you this greatest sense of joy?
1: Probably being, playing with my kids.
0: Right. If you could pass down one book to your kids, um, what book would you choose?
1: A beginner's book. Okay. <laughs> no, just kidding. Probably if I had to pick one book, maybe the Bible. Okay. Yeah. That's
0: a good one. Uh, Do you have a quote or a phrase or a text you would tweet to everyone in the world?
1: I would say who needs luck when you've got pluck.
0: (laughs) I like it. Um, Do you, this is the last question. What do you believe is the underlying motivation behind everything you do?
1: Underlying motivation. It's probably to create a world where people are treated as if they were created in the image of the divine and that means treated with dignity and respect and honor
0: they're yeah, nice cool, liz thank you for coming on the show
1: awesome thank you so much it was great to chat and uh do you know when this is going to go live
0: it'll go live next monday which is the okay. 21st i think
1: great awesome so well, i'll send we'll you a
0: link and week. share it out and um okay. yeah It was great to have you here. Hope you enjoyed.
1: Sounds great. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Guys, check it out at thehiddenwhy.com. The show notes are there and uh, the links to the book, Liz, etc. Check it all out at thehiddenwhy.com, episode 840. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose